0: We've been journeying through the Book of Nehemiah this summer as a, as a group, and it's been really fun to see like, what God is releasing in us through a story that happened thousands of years ago. We've been uh, the last couple of weeks. We've been talking about the fact that Nehemiah he faced a ton of opposition in the great work that he was doing, both from outside enemies and from things that were happening within the community of believers. And this week, we're going to see that that continues, but we're really going to focus on... Nehemiah gives us, in chapter 6, some insight, a picture of what it was that got him through all of that. All the stuff that was coming against him, how he was able to not give up and focus on what God had for him and go through it with courage. So, and again, I'm, I'm not trying to, like, hide... Anything, I'm not trying to hide, like the main point for a big secret reveal later. The big point is that his courage came from his focus. The things that he was looking at, the things that he was focusing on fueled him with the courage and strength that he needed to overcome the opposition that he faced, okay? So that's, just keep that in mind as we go. We're going to read Nehemiah 6 in little chunks and stop and talk about it. Um, But before we do that, let me just pray and invite God to be with us in all of this. Father, thank you. Just thank you for this opportunity to share, and I want to share your words and your heart today. Holy Spirit, we invite you to speak to hearts. Take whatever words that you want to put emphasis on and speak them directly into the hearts of the people. My voice is just one man's voice, but your voice has power to change hearts. And so, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would work deep, that you would challenge us, that you would encourage us, that you would guide us and lead us. We welcome you into all that we're doing. We don't want to talk about you like you're somewhere else. You're here with us. We rest in you. And we thank you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so Nehemiah chapter 6, if you guys want to go ahead and turn there and follow along, let me read the first chunk of this for you. So, when word came to Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem the Arab, and the rest of our enemies, that I had rebuilt the wall and not a gap was left in it. Remember, chapter 4, we read that they built the wall up to half of its whole height before they finished it but it was it was all the way through and there were no gaps though up to that time i had not set the doors in the gates sanballat and geshem sent me this message come let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of ono but they were scheming to harm me so i sent messengers to them with this reply i am carrying on a great work and cannot go down why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? And four times they sent me the same message, and each time I gave them the same answer. So, man, I don't, I don't want to move on too fast from right here because this is, this is a foundation for all of what we're talking about. So when the word got out that the wall was actually being finished, the uh, people that had been making fun of you remember these guys. They were, you know, they keep coming up. These were Nehemiah's enemies. Uh, when it they started to find out that oh, the wall is actually being finished, they went from like mocking and making fun to an actual conspiracy to really try and stop the work. You know, they maybe didn't take it as seriously as uh, they should have at the beginning, but now they were they were up in arms. They I think realized that it was too late to stop the wall because the wall was pretty much done. So what they decided to do was come after the leader instead. And I was like, well, the wall is going to be built. We might not be able to stop that, but if we take out the leader, we can remove the effectiveness, and then it'll just be a wall. There won't be any strength inside it. So what they decided to do was try to get Nehemiah to leave the project and come out to them to this village. And so... Um, this village was—I mean, it was still in the territory of the Jews, but it was like right on the edge, like right next to Sanballat's land. Okay, and the—the uh, uh, the kind of the clue of how Nehemiah felt about it is right there in the name. It's like the village of Oh No, <laughs> so. <laughs> So this was a danger zone. They were trying to get him out there away from the defenses, away from the wall, away from the community that he was working with, and they were going to kill him. That was the plan. Um, And, uh, you know, that's at least what Nehemiah believed, and we don't have any reason to think that he was wrong. At the very least, it was... Oh, good ways away is like 20 miles. So at the very minimum, Nehemiah was going to be gone for three days, and there was, it was going to leave a leaderless project behind that didn't have much of anything going for it. But it was probably they weren't just trying to get him out there for a meeting. Okay, They were actually trying to hurt him. So he he responded, though, in a way that really, like, it really sets the tone and it really sheds a light on all of this way that he made it through the opposition that he faced. Now, if you got a letter like that, four times, no less, (laughs) but if you got a letter like that and you thought about it in, like, your own, like, self-centered mindset, I mean, what might you do? So... Nehemiah, these were his peers, you know, fellow governors of territories. He might have thought, hey, they want to have a meeting with me. Maybe I can go out there and kind of, like, flex my political muscle, like, schmooze, wheel and deal a little bit, and, you know, we can work stuff out. Um, that's, that. if he was uh, an American politician, that's probably what he would have done. <laughs> Maybe that was a little too far. I, <laughs> I, sub- I vocally... Uh, denounced your campaign, but now I'm going to you know, endorse you so that I get a position later. Different political uh, corruption, but he could have done something like that. He could have tried a power play. He could have said, oh, hey, all my enemies are here in one space. Let's bring the army out there, and we'll just crush them, and then we won't have to worry about that. He could have just hid from the letter and pretended like it didn't happen. He could have ignored it, which maybe seems like a strong move, but maybe that would be like hiding, and that would be fear. And what he actually did was send them a message that it's an amazing uh, example for us and it's a challenge to us. And it was much better than just ignoring the problem. Listen to what he said in verse 3. I'm carrying on a, a great project or a great work and I cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? You guys see where Nehemiah's focus was in that? He wasn't looking at himself. He wasn't looking at the danger. He was doing a great work. And it was his focus on the mission that God had put on his life and on the hand of God and the grace of God working on it that gave him the courage to respond to what was essentially a death threat in such an amazing way. The, the courage that he showed it didn't come from like his own... I guess what I'm trying to say is that courage is not something that you're like either born with or not. Courage comes to you from the Lord as you as you as he like gives it to you and as you focus on the things that he's doing he Nehemiah he he wasn't just i mean he's a hero in the bible but he wasn't just it wasn't just like he was born that way i want you guys to see that his focus on god's mission is what allowed him to step out in courage now It wasn't just like an idealistic thing either. He had seen God's hand. You know, we've been seeing this throughout the weeks as we go through. He had seen God's hand on this project from the very beginning. Remember, he asked the king for, a, you know, an outlandish request, and the king went above and beyond it. He could have gotten killed just for asking, but he didn't. He saw God's hand in getting them safely 800 miles back from Babylon to Jerusalem. He saw... God's hand in the fact that the people who came with him, who really were just trying to go home, he didn't even tell them that they were going to build a wall. And they did it with him. And it was all because of the gracious hand of God on him. And he recognized that. And because that's where he set his gaze and his focus, he was able to see that the words of his enemies were not the powerful, the source of definition or power in his life so his focus on God was on God and his focus was on the mission and that gave him the courage to avoid what was at best a distraction and at worst extremely dangerous now what it means for us and man this is this is a like a hard thing to get up here and say because it's not even like a thing that I'm good at but the question is if when distraction comes knocking on your door, are you able to say, I'm doing a great work? I can't go down to that. And that really challenges me, because I think a lot of times I'm like consumed with distraction. I don't have my eyes on a great thing. And I don't feel like that, but I when I hear something like, like these strong statements that Nehemiah makes, it calls to something in me, and I want that. Does that, do you guys, does that resonate with you guys? Wouldn't it be amazing if, something, if someone came to you with some trivial thing that it would just roll right off you because you're like, I'm doing a great work here. I don't have time for this. <laughs> There's something to that great mission. Nehemiah was in touch with something, a mission of God that unlocked something in him. And the same is true for us. Let me just tell you that if you won't put your hand to a great work, you'll always be susceptible to distraction. And I've come to see in my life that when I get distracted, it's because like, the main thing isn't the main thing anymore, you know? The things that I really care about in my heart, like building God's kingdom and spreading God's love in my family and my city when those things when i'm not like i'm doing this great work it's easy for me to get distracted by so many things and all of us are the same way if we're not if we're not willing to put our hands to the work of god's mission we'll we'll always fall to distraction and honestly distraction you know nehemiah's you know distraction was a real dangerous one if he had gone out there he could have died we don't we just live in this kind of society that's a little insulated and it's not We're not in touch with danger, so we don't recognize that distraction is dangerous to us. It's just as dangerous for us to get outside of the community and outside of the defense that we're building on our own as it would have been for Nehemiah to go out and do that. You guys hear that one? Like, If you separate yourself from the Christian community and the work that God has you working on side by side, that's a danger zone out there. And it it's easy to not think about that because you just feel like you can do your own thing. But that, it's dangerous to your health, <laughs> your spiritual and, and, uh, and like relational health. Also, distraction is, I mean, I think it's probably the main, uh, I don't know. I mean, I haven't thought about this, too. I'm sure there's other contenders, but it's like the main weapon of the enemy against the church in America. Um, if you could think of another one, let me know. But uh, the, we're just so distracted by so many things. Our culture is, like, built on distraction. And the, the thing about it is is we don't realize how dangerous that can be. The more we're distracted the more we're separated from the mission, it just, we become, we start to become numb or dull or dry inside. It's not like we're going to die, but who who wants to live like that? Do you guys feel that way sometimes? Do you guys want a mission like that that you could connect to? That's my question to you guys. What section of the wall is yours? Because I think that Nehemiah's vision was in a, a like a perfectly aligned place. Like he, I'll talk about this a little more later. But he saw a great work that he had to do. He wasn't aiming too big or too small. He he was in touch with a specific thing that God called him to do, A specific task that used his callings, his giftings, the leadership that was on him, and. That just allowed him to focus, and it birthed this courage inside him. And what I'm suggesting to you guys is that if you could find that place, you can do the same thing. The idea of building the whole kingdom of God is a little overwhelming. That's not what Nehemiah was doing. His, what did he go to do? You know, all the Jews wanted uh, their own kingdom again, but God sent Nehemiah back to rebuild the wall. And that was it. He was okay with that, and he embraced fully the great work. And it was still a great work. We're talking about giant walls around a whole city. We're talking about the restoration of a reputation of a place that had been held in disregard. Does that sound familiar, Clevelanders? (laughs) So what section of the wall is going to be yours? Where are your gifts and talents needed? I mean, what what part of the project is it? Like, what's the great work that God has for you? Maybe you have a business that's meant to bring life to the city. Maybe you have influence with people that can actually enact change. Maybe you want to go out on Saturday and pray for people at Market Square. Maybe you serve here in the food pantry and you've been building relationship it's like every step of things and not just things that our church is doing but things that the church in Cleveland is doing it's all like a section of the wall as we learn to go side by side if we can begin to see it as a great work that it is bringing life to our city I think that you know and hey maybe God is calling you to be part of a work even bigger than that I mean you want to take on the whole state or the whole country. You know, like, it's not just limited to what God is doing here, but he has a place in the wall somewhere for you, I promise. And if you, if you don't find it if you, or if you refuse to put your hand to it, that's how you walk in a life of distraction that doesn't have a lot of power. a little sobering, right, but I want it, I want it to be exciting, like, I don't want you to feel right now, like, if you know you've been struggling with distraction, like, you still have a, a section of the wall, <laughs> it's like waiting there for you to build it, you know, God's gifts and his calling are without repentance, like, he isn't going to take it away from you, he's waiting for you to walk into it. And it, it can start, you know, as soon as you, as soon as you decide. I almost feel like I should say a lot of that again. Like, it's so important. It's so important. Distraction is a killer. It's a killer. And it's something that I... (laughs) I mean, anybody that goes to my small group knows that I can barely make it through my own talks without going down a rabbit trail and forgetting where I'm going, you know? And that's just, like, a a lighthearted example. Maybe God's, like, showing you right now a, a way that you've distracted yourself and haven't been willing to accept his mission. I... um. I was talking to some friends yesterday about a way that I had uh, distracted myself for years, and that was through, like, video games. And I'm not talking just, like, play a little game on your phone while you're waiting for something. I'm talking about, like, a long, long time. I, it's, no, uh, it's no joke to say that at least a thousand, probably multiple thousands of hours of my life were spent really wasted that way. And it's sobering to me to look back on. I wish I had that time back. You know that Nehemiah, will get to this in, later in the chapter, he finished the wall in 52 days. That's only like 1,200 hours. Um, twelve or 1,300. Man. So there's always the chance to build something with your life, and <clears throat> do you guys get that? Do you hear it? Like, do you hear it in your heart? I want it to resonate with you. I don't even, like, want to move on from right there. We need the mission of God. We, we need it for our own life and for our own health, and we need to recognize his hand and character with us. That's how, that's where a life of blessing and power comes from. All right, let's continue with, uh, we made it to verse 5 here. Uh, So he, they had sent him the same message four times, and he sent him the same answer. Then uh, the fifth time, Senballat sent his personal aid to me with the same message, and in his hand was an unsealed letter in which was written, It is reported among the nations, and Geshem says it is true, that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt, and therefore you are building the wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you are about to become their king, and have even appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. Now this report will get back to the king. So come, let us confer together. And I sent him this reply, Nehemiah talking, nothing like what you're saying is happening. You're just making it up out of your head. They were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. But I prayed, now strengthen my hands. I tell you, if you don't feel strength in your hands, it's not because your enemy is too strong It's not because the work is too great. It's because you're not connected to the source of the power. Only God can put the strength in your hands. And that's that realization for Nehemiah, like he's showing us what his life was rooted on and built on. When he received this threat, I mean, this is, a, you know, an unsealed letter, right? You know, like he sent that and he, with the implication that everyone else is reading it, too. Just like all the open letters people post on Facebook and stuff, right? Open letter to this person. This is for everybody to read. And this was failing to assassinate Nehemiah. Literally, they were trying to assassinate his character, okay? And not just that. They, I mean, it was about trying to make Nehemiah seem small, trying to paint him as a rebel. Has anyone ever spoken those things over you guys? You're a rebel. You're not... Uh, you're not good or clean enough to be in the church. Have you heard that one before? You're small, you're not able to accomplish what God's putting in front of you. Have you heard that one? These are lies from the enemy. It's like, just like they were trying to get at Nehemiah, that's how the enemy comes at us, too. And those are lies. I'm telling you right now, the strength in your hands is God's strength and no other strength. Also, they they, uh, maybe just kind of tossed the temptation in there for Nehemiah to expand the mission beyond what God had called him to. They just threw in the suggestion that, oh, maybe you're setting yourself up to be king and do a revolt. It's not like the Jews didn't want that. They wanted to have their own kingdom again. But Nehemiah knew that that's not what God, that wasn't the mission he was on. His mission was build the wall. And so you can see how, like, the lies came in like that. But Nehemiah, whenever he, when he heard those lies, he remembered the Lord. And he prayed. We've been seeing that throughout the weeks, right? I prayed to the God of heaven and this. You know, Nehemiah's personal prayers are interspersed through here. It's so wonderful to see what a life built on prayer can do. His focus was not, like, inward And it wasn't even outward. It was like upward. He knew what God was doing and he knew his part in it. Remember what he said in chapter 4 when the the first threat of attack came and he stationed, you know, guys at the walls with spears and he had them work with a sword in one hand and a trowel in the other hand. He said... Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. And fight for your brothers, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. I literally can't read that verse without crying. I did it in the first service. I have read it like 20 times this week. And every time that calls to something deep in you, at least in me, doesn't it? Remember the Lord great and awesome. That's how your hands can be strengthened. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight. You know, whether or not you think that you're doing a great work, even if you just have a family, that's a great work in the kingdom of God. You know, you remember from the chapter where they were rebuilding the wall? They all rebuilt the wall, like, next to their house. There's something in that. Like, they, they fought for their family. You know, whether they were, whatever their actual job was, perfume makers and goldsmiths, they fought for their family. And that, that looking to God, that, oh, that, that freedom of letting the strength in our hands be his, that freed Nehemiah from so much. You see that freedom from fear, he was able to keep on going and he wasn't bound or crippled by fear. It also freed him from the need to defend himself. He was able to, it just kind of like, I mean, this was a huge attack on his character. And he was able to just be like, you made that up, next. You know, he never had to defend himself. Jesus never defended himself. You know that? He stood before Pilate and he was silent. And probably people took that as a, that he was guilty, but he didn't care. He didn't feel the need to defend himself. And a life centered on Jesus with his power. I mean, Jesus knew his mission. He knew that he came to die for us. And when we're centered on his power and his mission, we'll be freed from the need to defend ourselves for the things that we do. It's a huge weight. I mean, it's just so much work trying to make sure everybody thinks highly of you. But he didn't get caught up in all that. He kept his focus on the Lord, great and awesome and on the mission that he had seen God's hand consistently at work on, calling him to do, and he didn't lose heart. And that's something for us. That's the same way. It's the same way for us. We can pray that prayer anytime. Now strengthen my hands. Man, I don't know how to, you know, be a good dad. Strengthen my hands. I don't know how to, you know, make a difference in my work or business. Strengthen my hands. that's uh that kind of response is is like a that's a life of wisdom. It's like about knowing your place and knowing God's place and understanding what that means for you and that's what Nehemiah did the uh his enemies got even a little sneakier from here um continue reading in verse 10. Um, One day, and by the way, uh, the way that Hebrew writings are, we don't know if this is like strictly in chronological order. They're often grouped by theme. But it works out well if you're given a message on a whole chapter because (laughs) the events in this chapter are all on this theme. Like These are ways that he experienced opposition and was able to Resist distraction. And in this case, again, danger. So this is their next plot. One day I went to the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deliah, the son of Mehedabel, who was shut in at his home. He said, let us meet in the house of God inside the temple and let us close the temple doors because men are coming to kill you. By night they are coming to kill you. But I said, should a man like me run away? Or should one like me go into the temple to save his life? I will not go. And I realized that God had not sent him, but that he had prophesied against me because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. He had been hired to intimidate me so that I would commit a sin by doing this, and then they would give me a bad name to discredit me. Remember Tobiah and Sanballat, oh my God, because of what they have done. Remember also the prophetess, Noadiah and the rest of the prophets who have been trying to intimidate me. I love how he ends on another prayer there. I didn't say this before, but like, he leaves vengeance up to God. He doesn't get caught up in holding a grudge. He just leaves it to God to remember what his enemies did. And this is like a really sneaky thing that they did. So they tried to like tear down his character. They they tried to kill him first, and then they tried to tear down his character. And then they tried to, like, trick him into committing a sin. So only the priests were allowed to go inside the temple, right, in the inner court and close the door. So Shemaiah, he's actually a priest. So he's in a position, if he can offer that to him and say, hey, let's go in there, you and me, and we'll close the door and they won't be able to find you. So this is a guy supposedly in a position of spiritual authority, that's inviting Nehemiah to do something that is sinful to save his life. But because of, like, Nehemiah's focus, like, he valued the work he was doing and God's law and God's heart over his own life. And that stopped him from taking the guy up on his offer, and then he realizes here what they had been trying to do. If they could get him to, like, sin publicly in such a way and also behave like a scaredy-cat... In front of everybody, then that could totally discredit the mission that he was on. So they came at him through somebody that maybe he trusted. In a different translation, it says that Nehemiah realized the truth because of the prophecy. And that's pretty cool, like the prophecy should be in quotes, because he realized that the thing that this guy was telling him to do was a sin. So therefore, he realized that it wasn't really the words of God and that it was that he had been hired by somebody that was trying to bring him down. Which is interesting because hiring a prophet to spread a false rumor is what they had just accused him of doing, and then they did it. Um, and that's something for us, too. Like, we can know, we can test the words that people say to us because, honestly, when you set out to do a great work, There's people that tell you that you won't be able to do it or that you need to protect yourself in some way and don't really take that risk, you know, like hedge your bets. And you can test those words against the scripture. Like if it's going to release sin into your life, if it's going to weaken your faith or release fear or terror, those aren't words from the Lord. And Nehemiah's focus on God, he just was, it just, didn't even make sense to him. He's like, no, that's not that's not God, because I've been praying and talking to him. He'd been in constant relationship and he recognized this plot for what it was. You know, it's always easier. Uh, it's always easier to give up or be like, you know, at this point they pretty much built the whole wall it was all set except for the doors. Maybe he could have, like, hedged his bets and protected himself. It's always easier to, like, set your sights low and not try to do a great work. I mean, come on now. When the Cavs were down 3-1, <laughs> nobody, that's, like, there was, I actually saw an article that said, the thing is on, like, like a national sports site that said, statistically speaking, they might as well not have even bothered to get on the plane to go back to, you know, Oakland or San Francisco because it would never been done before. You know, it's so much easier for that. It would have been so much easier on that plane to just be like, all right, we're going to try hard and just get this over with quickly, you know. But I was reading another article that said, like, while they were on the plane, they were, like, watching film and, like, seeing some of, like, the things they missed and, like, and then one of I forget who it was that said it, and they were just like, man, forget that. Let's do this, you know? And there was just like this moment that they had where they set themselves to a great work. And, you know, in that, each step of the way, each step closer they got to completing the great work, failure would have been more crushing at that stage. Do you understand that? Like, it gets sometimes harder and harder. But that perseverance that he had... Like, that's a, that'll that'll preach, man. Basketball will preach sometimes. Mm. You know, and that's just, that's just what Nehemiah did there. He didn't give up. He didn't, like, you know, hedge his bets or try to protect himself towards the end, figuring they could finish without him. He, like, kept his integrity and kept his character throughout. And, um, you know, for us, too, it, if we set out to do something great, then maybe we fail harder than we would have. But if we succeed, then that's where the truly great things come from. And we can, that's what God's kingdom is like, you know. If we realize that he's on our side. I'm not saying that God was on the calf's side. Maybe, I mean, I'm not saying he wasn't either. All right, let's let's finish uh, the rest of these verses here. Nehemiah, man, he was a man of extreme focus. He, after all that talk of the, you know, opposition and stuff, just, here's, here's verse 15. So, the wall was completed on the 25th of Elul in 52 days. Moving on, you know, he just like moves right on through it. When our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. And that would be a nice place to just wrap it up and leave it, right? But even then, the opposition didn't stop. Also in those days, the nobles of Judah were sending many letters to Tobiah, and replies from Tobiah kept coming to them. For many in Judah were under oath to him, since he was son-in-law to Shechaniah, son of Era, and his son Jehoanin had married the daughter of Meshulam, son of Berechiah. Moreover, they kept reporting to me his good deeds and then telling him what I said, and Tobiah sent letters to intimidate me. Man, I love, Nehemiah would have been a fun guy to meet. I mean, what a, like, what a just matter-of-fact statement. Hey, on such-and-such such day, we finished the wall after 52 days. That is, I mean, I don't know if Hebrew has exclamation points or whatever, but that, that is unbelievable achievement. 52 days? You know the wall had been broken down for 150 years, sitting there in just rubble. And because they set their mind to it, and it says in chapter 4, the people worked with all their heart, they rebuilt it in 52 days. That is a short time. Just to give you a perspective from, oh, I don't know, basketball, the Cavs' (laughs) historic playoff run took 63 days. So in less time than it took the Cavs, to break only a 52-year-old curse. Nehemiah undid 150 years worth of rubble with his people in 52 days. That doesn't just happen, but it also is a lesson for us that a great work doesn't have to take forever. When you set your mind to do something great, like bringing life to the city, the enemy will tell you, oh, that is too big. That's going to take you so long. You don't really want to mess with that. You know, it's... How could that even be done? But, like, right here, this project, 52 days. Man, the city of Cleveland seems overwhelming to me. Liz and I got stuck in traffic, and we ended up driving down Broadway from 480 to East 55th the other day. And the things that we drove past, and that's not even the worst of it by a long shot. That seems overwhelming to me. But then I look here, and they build a 10-foot-high wall and thick, like, high and thick wall around a whole city in 52 days. That happened because, it says, the people worked at it with all their heart. It happened because they had focus on the mission, the great work of God that was in progress, and the loving hand of God that was on them to do it. So I'm just challenging us today to, put our hands to great work with all our heart. It's really hard to do to, like, let your whole heart go for something. And it's so easy to be distracted. It's easy to be distracted. And, like, the victory that we need is not, like, a one-time thing. I think that's why it doesn't end with just him finishing the wall because victory is ongoing. We need to have that focus always, not just till we finish one thing. You know, there was this ongoing opposition. One of the guys that was building the wall with Nehemiah, Meshulam, his daughter married Tobiah's son or something like that. So there was like this, you know, this drama like power plays, you know. He was trying to get on the inside even after the wall was finished. And we still haven't seen the last of Tobiah. We'll see him later again as we read the book. But... The victory that God wants to birth in us is an ongoing, continuing victory. That's why it's not like so important that they built the wall, it's so important that they focused on the hand of God and his work and his hand of love on their on their efforts. That's what like births a future of success. And the same is true for us. The work is not too great for the strength that can be put in our hands as we pray. It's not too great. Do you guys want it? I'm learning to want it. You know, sometimes it's easier to just be distracted. <laughs> but I want it, and I, I want to see what God will do. I want to find out where my section of the wall is, and I want to build it. you guys stand up with me? We're going to just invite God to speak into this.